biggest fear was that the surgeon would like, you know, have a golf game or something and say, you know what, the quickest thing I can do here is just put her on a permanent colostomy. Just so wrap by, it up. Wrap it up. Yeah, wrap it I up, wrap a, it up. I got a tea time. <laughs> so they were probably in on Robin's surgery for 12 hours. But uh, I think about six or seven of them were like keeping her off a colostomy bag because yeah. uh, the surgeon was scared because uh, she just said, you know, don't. It, cause so the guy took did a 12 hour surgery. And you're right. Like you said, look, even if it takes 20 extra hours, don't fuck me over. And, you know, because it's easy. To I had no colostomy. idea it would take that long. I had I really I said and, you know, because he he looked at me at the end of me screaming at him. And he said, well, what do you want me to do? Because I argued every avenue I could think of, of different things to do. And he was like, that won't work. That won't work. That won't work. And I was like, oh, and then I yelled at him. And then he looked at me and he said, well, what do you want me to do? I said, I guess I'm going to have to trust you to do right by me. And he said, well, don't worry. After this, you'll have the life you want. And I wow. said, no, I'm going to have the life you give me. Mm. You shook that fucker up. <laughs> I did. <laughs> he used to hate to see me coming. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I remember that 12-hour surgery. I, for part of it, I was on the phone with your friend who was uh, standing by at the hospital. Mm-hmm. I Susan. forget her name. Susan. Yeah. Yeah. And we had made up ahead of time that Susan would call me with bulletins during the surgery because she was a medical professional and she was getting updated from the doctor. And we figured he was, she was the best person to deal with this. I don't know. She was really good because she understood what was going on. And she would come out with like, she'd call me hourly. I go, where are we at? She's still in there. Yeah. Um, and like we get reports, it's not, it's not going to be good. You got to prepare yourself. And I'd start crying like a baby. And you know, my shame of crying, I never cry. And I was ashamed that I was crying. I was sobbing on the phone to this Susan. And, um, I remember, I'm like, why am I so ashamed that I'm crying? I mean, it was really weird. And I remember going to my shrink's office. I go, I'm crying. And I was crying in his office. I, was, I mean, it was really horrible. But it's such shame about crying, you know, about being sad. And and he goes, well, you love Robin. You know, he was explaining to me that's what people do. You know, I had spent so many years pushing away emotion. Right. That's how I cope with stress. I don't let anybody, you know, I sit in my room and I don't let anybody touch me. I don't let anybody get near me. I don't let anything. And, you know, you know, the thought of losing you drove me over the edge and I started crying and sobbing uncontrollably. I never had that reaction to anything before where you can't stop yourself from crying. And I was like, he, you know, my shrink had to describe to me, oh, this is human. This is human. When you care about somebody, I go, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> like I literally, like it was like, ex- completely unique experience. It, it like, was like wow. explaining, it was like explaining to an alien. Yeah. From another planet, what it is to be human. I had never had those life lessons before. You know, where, oh, that's, oh, that's, it's normal to do this. So, uh, yeah. Well, I had the same experience when I saw how hurt you were going to be. Like, you really expressed to me how it would hurt you. 
And that's what I, I could feel my boundaries because I said, I'm not going to live with this and I'm not going to live with this and I'm not going to live with this. And um, you were like, yes, you can, Robin. Yes, you can. And I was like, no, I know me, Howard. I won't like it. And you were like, no, but you can. And then I was like, oh, no. And I said, maybe I'll have to accept this. Maybe I'll have to accept that. Maybe. And I was like, damn it. Look at my boundaries just widening for him. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I'm really pissed at myself. <laughs> yeah, but really, I, I, I really, I'm, I'm saying this to the audience because I'm, I'm, I'm actually sitting here feeling like I'm just talking to you, but I realize there are people listening. I, I'm sitting here going, it, the, the, the only, the, I didn't know I'd be talking about this, but I don't know how to explain your attitude through cancer. I don't think there's ever been a human being on this planet. I mean this. Again, I don't have any statistical evidence of this, but I don't think anybody ever had a better attitude. And that's why I'm thinking, what the fuck was in you that is different from everyone? Well, I told you, it's that Never thing. Complained. As soon as Dr. Agus said to me, you've got to stop acting like a sick person. And I was like, that's right. That's not you. You're the person who does this. You know, this is how you get out of things. This is how you, you, you know, fix things and, and get through things. And, and, and I just went back to being me because I wasn't really being me while I was feeling scared and weak and vulnerable. That's not me. And so I was like, yeah, it's time for you to just get up and let the rubber hit the road. Wow. Yeah, you were on your feet pretty quick after a 12-hour surgery, actually. It's kind of crazy. Oh, yeah. We, I was back on the air. We had a vacation, luckily, that, like, after the surgery, we went on vacation. So I had some time to recover. But yeah. I was like, yeah, if I can shuffle down the hall, I'll be on the air. Yeah, I actually went to the hospital, um, I, I guess, the next day or something. Or You were there a couple said, of times. You, did, you saw me the day yeah. after surgery. Yeah. Yeah, it was the day after surgery when they said, okay, it's safe to go visit Robin. You know, you have to worry about infecting Robin. That, you know, and yeah, there's a whole bunch of protocol. But I remember going in and uh, there, there were a couple of people in the room. I think one of them was Artie. I hadn't yeah. seen Artie since he <laughs> wasn't on the show anymore. And uh, I saw I saw Artie and who else was in there? Didn't Fred show up at some point? Maybe I'm trying to think. I just... I know it was you and him, and there were other people there, but I can't remember who. And you were laying in bed laughing. and uh, I was entertaining. Entertaining everyone. <laughs> and I even said to Robin, I think I said, I, again, this is all hazy, but I think I said, why don't you conserve your energy? Because that's me. I'm like, oh, conserve your No, but you were like, your fucking attitude was just insane. It was like, wow. I go, she just went through a 12-hour surgery, and she's sitting there entertaining everyone. And I remember saying to everyone, all right, it's enough. Let's all get out of the room. Let's go in the hall. Let's give her some room and this and that. And, and um, because that's what I thought I would want. <laughs> I would want everyone cleared out of the fucking room, not in the room. You know, I, I was trying yeah. to think for you, but you seem to be thriving on it. But Well, it I was didn't... funny because, uh, you know, they come and get you out of bed uh, shortly after you wake up or whatever. And... Um, this physical therapist came in that morning before you came and she said, okay, we're going to get you out of bed and you're going to walk down the hall. And, you know, the more you walk, the better you'll be uh, for your recovery. 
So we walked for like five minutes or something. And then she brought me back to the room and put me back in bed. And I was like, oh, that's how you get out of here walking. So the next day when she came to do physical therapy on me again, she met me in the hall. Mm. And she was like, oh, I guess you don't need me. And I never saw her again. But I was like, if you have to, I, I circled that nurse's station about 10,000 times because I wanted out of there. How, how many years, going back from the day of the surgery, right? Because I remember the diagnosis and I remember learning that you had this grapefruit-sized tumor in your body uh, because you couldn't go to the bathroom. All of a sudden, Robert, right, the it, fell, it, it finally blocked my... Um, Urethra. Right. That's how Robin knew she was sick. You know, she didn't really know up until that point. Like maybe you were feeling a little bit bad. I don't even think you were. I were was you? tired all the time. Right. And, you know, people would say, well, what have you been doing? And then I tell them my schedule because I never stopped doing whatever I was doing. Right. And they go, no wonder you're tired because I always was doing a lot, but I never felt tired. But right. this, now I was tired all the time. And you could make the mistake thinking, oh, I'm getting older. You know, I guess this is what right. happens. You think you're tired. You I don't just know kept you thinking cancer. I would snap out of it. So really, this thing was progressing inside of you and growing. And then the only indication you had finally was, oh, my God, I can't go. I have to go to the bathroom and I can't go. And so that that drove you to the emergency room, right? Right. Right. And then when you and get there, they, they said, actually, didn't you have backaches? Didn't you have this? Didn't you? I was like, no, I had none of that. Wow. She's. So is from the from the day of that discovery of the tumor, from my memory, I think it wasn't too long after you had the surgery. It was like literally. Yeah, it was like within a week. That's what was so crazy, because you have to start trying to make all these decisions. That's in what very drove me short crazy. period of time. So and it was like, go in, get tested. That test doesn't tell us what we need. You need another doctor. Go to that doctor. Get more tests. Yeah, that's what freaked me out. I said, wait a second. Rob, I remember talking to my friend Pat about this. I said, I, "This is this is crazy." I said, "Robin's got this fucking grape size, grape size, you know, grapefruit size tumor. How can what what like how can she make all these decisions? They were bombarding you with like, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Here's option A. Here's option B. I said, "This is like trying to read a menu when you're fucking down and out." And that's when he said to me, "She needs." So a court, a head, a, someone, an Somebody advocate for her. Somebody overseeing this whole thing who knows what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I, that'll be me. And he goes, no, no, you don't know shit. You got to find. <laughs> and that was when I, that's when I found Agus. But, but, uh, you know, and so that's the best advice we could probably give someone who's suffering right now, who has cancer, who's saying, I don't know what to, you got to find someone who's just not operating on you, not the doctor who's going to, but someone to interpret all of the facts. Someone right. who's, a, you know, an expert in the field and you find that person who you trust and let them help make the decisions. But my, my point is from the day you found out there was the tumor, what is the, how many years has it been? Like what is the anniversary since this, the surgery was May 23rd of 2012. Oh no, here we go. 2012. <laughs> All right. Here's what I'm going to do. It's 2020. So what you have to do is subtract. This is the easiest way to get. I think so. Yeah. 2020. So then you take, you go minus 2012. Now, forget the 20s. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to just subtract 12 from 20. This is how we're going to get the number. That's right. And for kids listening, I don't know how many kids are in the audience, but 
Kids, this is how you do math. And I'm doing it out loud for you so you can learn. So 20, you go, how am I going to subtract 20 from 12? Because the zero, you say, on 20. I got to take the two from a zero. Yeah, and there's nothing to take from the zero. So what I do is I take, I borrow. (laughs) I borrow from the two. I, I take one away, and then I have 10. 10 minus two is eight. But then you say, is that it? Is that the answer? How do you know? You just kind of know. You feel your way around this math. No, because the ones equal out. It's a zero. You took one from the two to make 10. And so it's a one and a one now, zero. So it is eight. Well, now you get into advanced math. <laughs> Most of that stuff has to be done on paper, what you're talking about. But uh, I can, I'm pretty bright. I can do it in my head. So, yeah, the answer is eight years. Yeah. And you just had a good scan, right? I mean, yep. You're, uh, and you're feeling good. I feel great. Exercising. Doing your thing. God bless you. That's but what you, Agus you, said. Look at you. You're kicking butt. As Agus, I would, the next time we have him on the show, and we probably should have him on soon because he's, he's in the middle of this whole coronavirus thing and he's got good yeah. advice. Because I see people going fucking nuts with this coronavirus. I'd like, like it doesn't exist. I don't know. But the next time we have him on, I got to ask him, has he ever seen anybody fight cancer the way you did? And I don't mean, okay, you were a success. But let's say whatever. The attitude I'm talking about. Like, just, you know, all happy-go-lucky. Well, like, ha, I mean, ha, ha. you got to have fun while you're here. I know, man. I, I, I haven't had I fun yet. I wasn't going to sit around being miserable for all this time. Well, I've, I've spent my life being miserable. and uh, I remember the first joke. I made a joke, and Howard's like, Robin, too soon. <laughs> yeah, for me. Like, I want to joke about my condition. He's like, no, it's too soon. <laughs> amazing. Uh, do you want uh, to hear from King of All Blacks, who is dying to get on the air? Yes, King, go ahead. I'll take a couple of phone calls. Anyway, I didn't mean to get into all this, but uh, this Man, discussion this was, with my- the, this was the best. This was the best uh, beginning of a show I've heard in a long time. <laughs> This was good. I enjoyed this conversation you had with Robin. Well, I'm going to tell you you something, King. All jokes aside, because you're a guy who calls in with like a lot of funny stuff. I'm going to tell you something. I do not know how to express my appreciation for Robin all these years. Um, I've tried a million times. I tell her, I've told her on the phone a million times how much I love her. But uh, I wish last night. You know, this conversation I have with my mother actually inspires this. I wish I could give this kind of positive energy. My mother's pretty positive, actually, mm-hmm. but I wish I could inject this kind of positive fuck you attitude that Robin has. And she's had it, I realized, even through the craziness and everything. She's always had that attitude when it came to us and what we do. And uh, it's dynamic. It's you can't bottle it. You can't. You, yeah, I, I got to tell you, there's one time I think of 
all the time. It was like, you know, we were in that horrible snake pit, NBC. NBC and would had, have given anyone cancer. I had Meredith to deal with. And you had pig virus. And one day she she really got to me. She reduced me to tears just before we were going on the air. And I think Gary yeah. saw it. And he saw me crying because I ran through the hall crying. And he he came in and he said, oh, no, Meredith made Robin cry. And you were in the studio getting ready to start the show. Where I was running to was the ladies room. Because I was like, OK, I got to pull myself together really fast. So I ran to the ladies room, splash cold water on my face. And then put on this imaginary armor I have. And I walked into the studio and you were ready for the crying mess to come through the door. And I walked through and said, let's do a show. <laughs> and we did a show. Yeah, it's legendary. Like, I, I mean, I've documented pretty well how they beat the shit out of me at NBC because I was trying to do something different. And they didn't understand it. But the the what they attempted to do to Robin is so fucking crazy. I don't even think I've ever explained to the audience on the air how fucking crazy they try to make you. Now I'm tying it together with your father. Like, if, you know, here, what a horrible thing. Like, you'd been a nurse in the Air Force and you decided to switch careers and become a broadcaster. And now I'm thinking about this. Your father had driven you crazy for obvious reasons. And your mother, too. But we didn't even get into that. But... <laughs> But all of a sudden you get into broadcasting and we're at NBC and it was a struggle to even get Robin to NBC. They did not want to hire Robin. They didn't hire Robin at first. And that was a real fucked up kind of decision I had to make. How do we get to New York? And it, But anyway, we finally all are united, reunited at NBC after working together in Washington and being super successful. And they came up with this devious plan. Because they said to me, I, I the whole time to get Robin there was saying, if you guys, you guys think I'm out of control and you can't control me. The only person who can control me is Robin. If you put, if you bring Robin in, I will be calm on the air. I lied. You know, I was like, of course. you know, I thought yeah. we were always we, lying. <laughs> right. But I, I said, you know, it, let's just say we were manipulating the situation because the odds were against us. So my, I had this theory that I I said, so finally, I remember I was in with Pig Virus and Dom Ferravani and, and Bob Sherman, the people who ran NBC, uh, Robert Mounty, and they said, you promise if Robin comes, you will behave. I said, it's going to happen organically. Little did they realize that, like, Robin was my strength. If she was laughing and feeling like I was funny, she made me feel funny and would only make me... Ten times worse of a nightmare at NBC. <laughs> but I couldn't do the show without her. I, I was I was miserable. You know, and I had this lovely guy. I think his name was Neil. Neil was my, yeah. Neil Seavey, great guy, news guy. They they teamed me up with him at NBC. But I was back at square one. I had no chemistry with the guy. He wasn't a guy I would choose to do a radio show with. You know, Robin was the person I wanted to do the radio show with. And I was convinced that if I got to NBC, I could get Robin in the door. And Robin got in the door. But their plans were so devious. Um, these people in the newsroom, 
had decided that Robin wasn't a professional news person because she didn't do news the way they did it. I couldn't stand the way they did news at NBC. I couldn't, I couldn't tolerate. It was straight radio. It was like the most boring shit you'd ever hear. Good evening. This is the NBC News. And they all sound perfect. But I didn't want that. I wanted someone to come in and discuss the news and, like, talk about shit. And, and even if we didn't talk about the news, just talk, you know, just have a conversation. And Robin's, as you know, is great at conversation. So I'm sitting there going, what am I going to do? And so they brought her into the newsroom. And this is horrible. They decided to break her. And when I say break her, they psychologically tortured her. You're shit. You're no good. You don't know how to read. We're going to send. Didn't they want to send you to a coach or something? Yeah. yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And I would say to Pig Virus, why are you doing this? Just let us do the fucking show. We'll be huge in New York. We will be a hit in New York. Let us do our show. We did it in Washington. We were monsters. We went to number one in under a year. Just let her be. I don't care how she reads the news. She doesn't have to sound like everyone else. Isn't it cool that Robin doesn't sound like everybody else? It's it's like a breath of fresh air, an oasis. And I said to you, I'll guarantee you something. Let Robin do the news the way she's doing it. And eventually, all of your so-called professional news people will be doing the news like her. And wasn't I fucking right? Listen to stations today. Watch CNN. Watch Fox News. Watch um, uh, uh, MSNBC. They don't read the news. They discuss the news. They give their opinions. They advocate. This was never done. And NBC couldn't wrap their head around it. I knew they didn't know what the fuck they were doing, but they were torturing Robin. She would be in tears every single fucking day. Every day. Remember that time you made me, we would get in the car at night and I would discuss how miserable I was and that I had these dreams about killing Meredith. And right. I told you, <laughs> last night I dreamt of doing the big pin test on her head. And yeah. you said, what is that? And I said, you take a rifle loaded with the big pin and oh, you yeah. shoot it through her head and then you write with it. <laughs> When it comes out the other side, yeah, you said that's the greatest thing I ever heard. One day you you tricked me into saying it on the air. <laughs> yeah, and by the way, she would say that stuff on the air, and then she'd go back in the newsroom and have to look at Meredith. and have to live with it. Yeah, and you would get look, and Meredith would shoot looks at you and fucking go crazy, and like everyone at NBC was against us. But uh, gee whiz, I mean, in a way, when I got Robin. To at least get a job at NBC, I felt like I had done the greatest thing and the worst thing to her. <laughs> and uh, I got to say, you know, when I got fired from NBC for a bestiality dial a date and some other things, um, there was a good guy there, Randy Baumgarten, who, yeah. you know, was a nice guy. And he said, Howard, you're, I'm going to have to fire. He felt so bad. Uh, John Hayes ended up firing us. You know, he was not a fan. John Hayes was right. a guy who said to me, you got to get Robin in line and you got to, she's got to start sounding like the other news people. And I go, John, can you trust me for a minute? I know you're the general manager and you're new here. And I know I'm just a kid. I have this feeling, this vision of radio being so fucking great, so fantastic. 
and people will want to do the news like Robin does it. And he was like, uh, I don't think so. You know, he, he was a big expert. He was much older than me, but he was already an expert. They just, you know, they didn't get it. But the torture you went through. But it was that same attitude now that I think about it. You know, you were like. Well, did I ever tell you about the time I actually went to Meredith and I said to her, because she would call me in as soon as my foot went over the door sill of the NBC newsroom, she would say, Robin. So I couldn't even get to work before. Take off your coat. I'd take off my coat. She would call me into her office and tell me something horrible about myself. And this went on and on and on and on. And I was getting to crazy. Mm. <laughs> and I call, she called me in on this particular day. And I said, you don't know what you're doing. And she said, oh, am I getting to you? I said, yeah. She said, fine. I won't speak to you for 30 days. I said, what? She yeah, said, get out. Fun. I'm not going to speak to you for 30 days. But you know what she did for that 30 days? Every day when I walked in, when I was looking at her, she took a calendar and marked the day. Wow. Like I'm scratching. <laughs> I just, and, and the end of that 30 days, it was Robin, get in here. So I said, she should have been in Vietnam. She was great at torture. Yeah. You know who was a nice guy during that? Because they had a pretty professional, quote-unquote, newsroom. But uh, I can remember a couple of times, because you were in bad shape, and I, and I think most of the people who worked in that newsroom were really glad that they were torturing you because they hated yeah. me. And this was another way to get to me also, by torturing you and torturing the person that I cared about and loved and wanted him to work with. This was, a, a, this was like so torturous for me to watch. I, I could take torture for myself. I, 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 you couldn't suppress my, my vision, but, uh, Robin, you know, when they do it to her, it's like somebody attacking your wife or something. You know what I mean? It's just really shitty. Uh, you know, and then you feel responsible because you're like, Oh God, I brought her here to this nightmare, but I, I, I really truly felt it would work out. And I wasn't sure at one point that it would, but I remember who was pretty nice to you was, and I'm going to say this again. I think Bill Maher's dad worked in that newsroom. I love Bill Maher's dad. Yeah, he, he would yeah. lean into Robin every once in a while because he saw what was going on. And he would say, Robin, I don't know how he would put it, but he would say, hey, you hang in there. Don't, you know, they're all crazy. Don't listen to these shits. <laughs> That's what he'd say, right? Don't listen to these shits. <laughs> right. He was sweet about it. I can't say that most of the people there were, but Bill Maher's yeah. father... And, you know, for so many years, I didn't get along with Bill Maher and all. And I was an asshole. I've told him that on national television. But uh, I always just loved his father for that. Yeah. Not, not for, you know, the guy was a very competent newsman. He was a news editor. But um, the fact that he would lean in every once in a while, very quietly, put his hand up by his mouth and go, Robin, you come on, you hang in there, you know. Um, that means a lot to me because we really, I can't describe the nightmare the, those people were. And, um, yeah, they were I never, good at making you feel bad. <laughs> oh yeah. That should have been their slogan at NBC. Real good at making you feel bad. Their slogan was like, um, you know, we are family or something. Right. Uh, you know, there was some kind of weird. Yeah, Gary, 
What a what a bunch of it, days Gary was there for it. He saw it. It was weird because I was so young and I you know, I didn't really understand what was going on. I came in as practically like an intern. But I remember I would always go back to talk to you'd say, Hey, go let Robin know this, go back. And there was such a like a mean girl's vibe in that back office. And the and the thing in the newsroom that you're leaving out, Howard and Robin, was also that's where a lot of the engineering guys used to hang out. Yeah. And they hated us. So hated the us. the feeling of hatred was so palpable back there. It was it was fascinating. I would see Robin sat next to a woman, I won't name her, but she would like not look at Robin. They would sit next right. to each other and she wouldn't like look at her or talk to her and it was very upsetting. Yeah, it was I you know, I look back on it now and I go, how the fuck didn't we crack? And I can tell you and this is why I tie it in with Robin's energy about fighting cancer. Uh, at my lowest points, I would go to Robin and say, I'm not sure I can do this anymore. And she would say, now she was getting it as bad as I was, maybe worse. <laughs> but she would say to me, you got to keep doing this. We're not going to be defeated by these assholes. It's going, you know, we're going to get to the land of milk and honey. But, uh, you know, it, it's going to be a struggle. And... Uh, you know, there was there wasn't anybody else I believed because there was only one person going through it with me, really. I mean, of course, Fred, too. But Fred doesn't say anything. He, <laughs> I, I, I want to say this about Fred. And this is the truth. Fred always has your back. Always. Oh, my God, Fred. It's not. It, yeah. Let me cry on his shoulder a lot. Right. He's a beautiful guy. And I and I love him. But, um, you know, th th this for me, the same energy that you gave to cancer and fighting it. I am telling you, we, um, I, the only way I could even relieve the tension in my stomach, you know, when you're really on edge, like you go to school and you hated the substitute yeah. teacher or something, or, or you knew the kids at school were going to beat you up that day at three o'clock. Like you knew as you were watching the clock, you knew at three o'clock you were going to take a beating. Right. That there was going to be a gang waiting for you that wanted to beat the shit out of you. I mean, at least where I lived, it was bad, but I, I, that same feeling was the same feeling I had at NBC radio. I was like a kid there, delighted that we were getting to talk to New York finally in our career. That was the Big Apple. But also, I just remember driving in and thinking, you know, I drive to the subway, get on the subway. And then the whole time on the subway, I go, I'm about to take a beating. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to get, but we're going to get a beating and we're going to be told we suck. But... Uh, your energy really gave me. You know. Well, that was, yeah, because a couple of times I was like, Robin, you need to quit because yeah, so, you're not doing well. I know. And but, uh, I couldn't. Yeah. And I, you know, so that's why when I got the news that Robin had cancer, I just said to myself, this cannot be. I, I just couldn't accept it. I couldn't believe it. It wasn't, you know, like a little kid. It wasn't fair. Not after all the shit we went through. Things are finally good. You know, we're at Sirius. We enjoy the people we work with. We enjoy the people we work for. You know, we've finally gotten to the to a We to did a good get place to the land of milk, and, milk honey. and honey. But uh you know, I don't know what was worse. Cancer or NBC, but you put the same energy into it. You you're just a very positive person and uh, I wish I wish it could be bottled for everyone going through cancer right now. And uh, because they would survive. And I now firmly believe, I never used to, I just think it was bullshit. But it, it is maybe, 
maybe, I don't want to put a percentage on it, but maybe it's 90% attitude because everyone had written you off. You know, and maybe that's why we even made it on radio. It's attitude, you know, it's like, fuck you. We're going to survive this no matter what. Yeah, I mean, I was just like, nobody, I loved what we were doing so much. I was like, how can, I can't let them take it away. Yeah. They can't win. Yeah. I'll tell you too, like, when we got to K-Rock, it was so much better for a while. Oh, yeah. Um. Because of Mel, Mel Carmazan, too. Like, what a different kind of boss. He was the kind of guy that would be like, you know, what? just go just go do your thing. I, I, I don't know how to do radio. You don't know how to do sales. I do sales. You do radio. You know, great guy. Really just incredible. But, uh, yeah. So, anyway, I don't have the secret to beating cancer. Robin doesn't have the secret, but I've never seen anybody battle the way she has fierce battling. And, uh, I don't know, you know, what that comes from. Yeah. I don't, I don't get, I wish I had it. I am a big pussy. Well, I told I you, I'm really, you know, you talk about forgiveness. I, I'm like, I'm ecstatic that my parents were bad at it because I got to be me. Like I don't get to be me without them being horrible and who they were. Do you and really it, think it's uh, a great set of qualities I got out of it? Yeah, but don't you think we do that to make things better in a way we say, oh, if I no, hadn't no, had no. that. No, 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 I don't discount any of the bad stuff. Right. But I got this strong because I had to. Do you think, okay, do you think that strength comes from your situation? You, don't you think you would be even a stronger person if you had had some support and some emotional support and a father who protected you uh, I don't know. growing up. I never had that, so I don't know how I would have turned out. But I know that I watch people get crushed by things all the time who've had great childhoods. <laughs> right. You know, they've had good parents and everything was done for them and they had all kinds of support and nurturing. And I see them fall by the wayside. I see them fall apart. At any little criticism. At anything. Yeah. Everything yeah. takes them down. Hmm. Wow. Let's say hi to, uh, who's this? Pete. Pete from New York. Good morning. Hey, morning, Howard. Morning, Robin. And, uh, Congratulations on, I didn't realize it'd been this long, you know, the time just flies by when you're saying it was eight years ago. That you, yeah. And we also covered it up for a long time, too. So Well, they well, knew, because um, remember, I came back and I said, I'm, I have a catheter in. And that was right. the last time we talked about it. And then, you know, everything else yeah. happened. But we were there sketchy. was an indication that something was going on. I didn't know what at the time. Right. And we knew it was serious, you know, the fans knew it was a, uh... so congratulations, Robin, on kicking that fucking cancer's ass, because uh, it's, uh... you talk about attitude, I lost my wife April 28th, um, Michelle was the most amazing woman, she, uh, she fought so hard, never lost her positive attitude through all the horror, and, uh, you guys in the show, you know, through the funny stuff, stuff like this, heavy, we're always a constant in our lives as far as 
that entertainment. She always used to always joke. I go to bed with Howard Stern and I wake up with him because I was <laughs> always had you guys on. You've brought a lot of laughs to me, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of miles worth of laughs. And with a heavier topic like this today, um, you guys covered a gamut of all of life's ups and downs. And I love you guys. Love the show. This really heavy, heavy time for me. Yeah. I'm sorry, Pete. I didn't mean to bring everyone down, but... Uh, yeah. Well, there's a lot of people going through it, Howard. And like you said, you know, if you could get somebody who maybe's bottoming out and say, hey, man, keep fighting, keep trying. Like I said, my wife never lost the fight, but the the disease was just too much, man. It... You know, it is yeah. beating you. And it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch somebody go through that too. I mean, it you know, makes you feel helpless. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah like really you does. can't do what you mean to do for the people you love. Yeah, Pete. Sorry to hear that. I really am. Well, uh, I appreciate that, Howard. And uh, again, thank you guys for putting thank on you. a show that gives us our diversions and our laughs. And uh, keep up, keeping up. Well, you know, I don't mean to be uh, maybe too forward. You, you've lost your wife, but Robin is single, and you're single. Hey, Pete, take and, it easy. I mean, give know. the man time well, to grieve for God. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. Robin. Yeah, I want to go through the proper amount of time, so I'll uh, leave my contact information. You get a hold of me Please in a couple do. weeks, Robin. When, yeah, a couple, <laughs> a he'll couple be over weeks. in a couple of weeks. He'll be ready to date. <laughs> all right, Pete. Thanks. All right, take care, guys. Love you. Bye. Bye. Poor Pete. I need Sounds a cock. All right, Robin. Not appropriate. <laughs> All right, I tell you what, um, let's see if, I mean, I got a lot of stuff to get to today. Yeah, I uh, want to hear about Underdog on this other radio show. And Fair enough. Well, yeah. Enough about us. We will talk um, Underdog on the radio show. I'll give you a Sour Shoes update. I will, I've been sitting here with a whole bunch of tape of Preachers and the Coronavirus. I'll oh, get, yeah, that's, I forgot about that. All right, I'll, maybe I'll give you an underdog update. The, the, the update's from a radio show. She did some radio show. These guys uh, spoke to her for a while, and it's pretty entertaining. Uh, and, uh, and we'll get to your phone calls and all that stuff. I do want to say, too, thank you to our sponsor for the day. I'm talking about Blackened American Whiskey. Believe it or not, this is a collaboration from Metallica and legendary distiller Dave Pickerel. Blackened Whiskey Remastered. Think about it. Has Metallica ever done anything bad? Listen to this. Making whiskey was easy for them. JD, yeah, look at that beard. Yeah, this is hard to do, uh, to, to master guitar and, and music. But uh, so, whiskey is easy, yeah. So I've tried. I got a bottle of Blackened. Oh, my God. I love it. It's so good. You're giving you know up meant- wine and going to whiskey? I mean, listen, it, it like... It starts strong, like on your tongue, but it goes down like very smooth. I, I had two glasses. Of, well, yeah, I had two glasses of it on Saturday. Look at you. <laughs> Good. Got the beard. <laughs> Got the Metallica whiskey. Hell Blackened yeah. whiskey. Good for you. Oh, yeah. All right, J.D. That's I don't know if they want him to be a spokesman with this look. <laughs> oh, no. Metallica doesn't care. They don't care about oh, They don't look. care. <laughs> and by the way... Blackened whiskey didn't cause JD to talk the way he talks. He talked like that before. So He's be... not on it right now. Yeah. Well, he looks like a mountain man now with that beard, so he should be drinking uh, blackened whiskey. Uh, uh, strong whiskey, yes. Whiskey. What are you drinking straight, or do you 
mix it with something. I just had it with ice. So, uh, yeah, wow. drink it straight. Wow. Real man. Boy, J.D. That's Must a manly thing to do. That's so fucking <laughs> Sorry, manly, this guy. That was good. <laughs> Are you apologizing? Sorry? Well, I don't know. Uh, I used to make whiskey sours. Did you uh, master it? The whiskey sour? Yeah, well, I was such a douchebag. Like, I never really drank that much, but I saw my father would make a whiskey sour every once in a while. And every once in a while, I'd get a girl to come over when my mom was working. My mom had a job for a while, and house was clear, and I could bring a girl home. And I was in high school. It happened once or twice, maybe three times. It, it was very rare a young Howard Stern got a girl, but I'd get him in there and I'd go, uh, hey, would you like a whiskey sour? You know, everybody <laughs> up a little bit. <laughs> what is it, a whiskey sour? Whiskey. And then you get this sour mix and you throw some <laughs> ice in there and you mix it up. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So uh, anyway, that's uh, blackened American whiskey. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll get back to uh, all the other stuff right after these words. By the way, you know, surely was just telling me that, hey, Jeff the Drunk, Jeff, Jeff the Drunk is on the phone today again, and I, I just want to make this point. So you and I are in the middle of reminiscing about NBC and, you know, cancer and everything else, and we're talking. Jeff was tweeting the whole time that he can't get on the show. Now, he was on the show yesterday. He can't get on the show. I can't. Get, he goes, what the fuck is going on? I can't even get a phone line. I can't get <laughs> Is through. he listening? I don't know what he does, but... Jeff, you understand that I've got, and I don't want to get too into this again because we did this yesterday, but I've got like 50 phone lines here, and they're packed. And, oh, it's not Jeff the Drunk. Okay. I thought I had Jeff on this line. Uh, hey yeah, now. Sorry, Jeff. I, I thought you were Jeff the Drunk. but He was about to yell at you. <laughs> yeah, he was about to yell at you. That's Jeff from Florida. I'll get to him in a second. But hey um, he was tweeting that he couldn't get on. I guess he's been trying. And we went through this yesterday. I don't know if it's a shtick or what, but he can't possibly think that I can just drop whatever I'm talking about to speak to him. You think after his phone call yesterday went so poorly that he'd take a couple of days off? Shirley, what was the exact tweet? Uh, hold on. I, I, let me grab it for you. It's, it's basically him uh, screaming online. Here you go. Uh, I still can't get a fucking line. And worst of all, when it does ring... He doesn't pick up. Fucking bullshit. Can't please everyone. It's never enough for him, Howard. It's never enough. No, I mean, I guess that's why he's Jeff the Drunk, though. I mean, I shouldn't be surprised by it. That's why we love him, right? Because he's <laughs> delusional. Yeah, like the minute you forget he's an asshole, he reminds you. Right. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Hey, I yeah. see Tam Mom's on the line, Shuli. As long as I got you here, what's the update on her? She got out of the hospital? She's out. She's back in. She's got hip hip surgery issues. I think she just had her second or, or third surgery. What? I didn't know she was in the hospital. When did that happen? Yeah, What's going on uh, with you, honey? Hi, guys. How are you doing? <laughs> Talk about um, an upbeat attitude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, this is Robin's pretty upbeat. This woman is <laughs> fucking crazy, insane upbeat. I have to be. Uh, yeah, this past month, I, I called in because I just, um, I'm a little down in the dumps. I'm kind of getting sick of hearing about Jeff the Drunk as well. But anyways, I just um, 
had another second hip surgery, but I was in one, had the surgery, popped out twice as I'm just standing. It was even on Mother's Day. And the ambulance comes, blah, 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 back in the hospital four times this past month. I'm very, like, sad in a way. Like, I'm trying to keep totally upbeat. But, um, yeah, I had another full hip surgery. It's actually interesting to hear that. I have friends who have had hip surgery, and they they make it seem like, yeah, you know, I had to take a couple of months of, uh, like, kind of learning how to rewalk. But everything's great, and I feel fucking great. Yeah, yeah. I don't hear about (laughs) hips popping out. Yeah, and I go, like, how the hell is it? They replace your whole hip. And how the yeah. hell, how do they recover so fast? That's pretty amazing. But you're here to say that wh- wh- whatever happened to you, your hip keeps popping out. <laughs> yeah. And it's so painful, Howard. Um, and it's like, I, I'm, I'm just walking with the walker right now. Like, that's it. Like, for a little bit. But, I mean, I'm an outgoing person. I can't just sit still. And, like, I'm going semi-bonkers, keeping myself occupied in bed. But, I mean, how much can you do without walking? By the way, uh, Tan Mom Puppet is here. She's wearing her face mask over her eyes, and she has some kind of lip balm on. Tan Mom Puppet, what's going on with you? Oh, my God. I felt like they took 12 grapefruits out of me. It's been terrible. No. Now I'm part RoboCop. Yeah, and you're on a walker, too? That's right. I'm on a walker. It has little tennis balls on the bottom. I love it. Are you generally an upbeat person like Tan Mom is? Oh, my God. Everything's great. Are you kidding me? Life is wonderful. Are Tan you going Mom stir Puppet, crazy? Can you see? Yeah, Tan Mom Puppet, how do you? That? Robin said it. Well, hey, can I see? Oh, my God. Well, you're wearing yeah, your face mask see. over your eyes. Like, um, cut some holes oh. in that. Yeah. I'm sorry. Put some over your mouth. There Quarantine you go. Wrong there way. you go. <laughs> yeah, that's not how you quarantine. Sorry. Well, uh, so you're doing better, Tan Mom, or you're a, you're a fucking mess? What, I'm what doing do we better. Have? Um, I'm doing better. I'm actually getting my, uh, just to bring it up, my T3 done by Matthew Jan Tommy in Lake Onova Dental Group in Orlando for free veneers because he heard about my story. And I'm really, really excited about that. And then me Anybody and Adam, have any idea what she's um, talking about? She's talking about some free teeth she's going to get. Free teeth? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> veneers. I'm getting my teeth free right. so I'm excited. Oh, so what did the guy say? Get on the air and announce my name, and I'll give you free veneers? No, no. He heard about my story, of course. Always, oh. always announced. You know, I'm grateful. Um, but I'm really grateful because it's something to look forward to. And then we've got, you know, Tan Talk coming up, and there's a lot of things to talk about. Um, glossy, the video. I'm just I feel like I'm getting a lot of plugs right now. Mamet, what do you know about any of this? Pug yeah. City. Yeah. I, I just wanted to no, explain no, no. the thing. I'm not trying to be that way. I'm trying to be optimistic about, you know, the oh, okay. near future. You know, I, I mean, I'm just sitting in the bed listening to the show, keeping my spirits up, and that's Mamet, all. Mamet, what do you that's want to say fine. about this? I, I keep in touch with Tamam. I check in with her just once a week just to see how she's doing because she's had lots of problems with her hip and everything. And she told me a crazy yeah. story. What ended up her up in the hospital last time was she was just sitting in the passenger seat of a car with her friend. And all of a sudden, her oh, hip yeah. popped out of place and it popped like into her private area. Oh, yeah. You got bumped. I banged myself with my head. <laughs> I banged myself. <laughs> Like her hip bone slid out and like pushed against her, you know. Did vagina. it like pop out of your vagina? No, but they had to literally pop it in from that area. And wow. Jiminy Cricket, that was the most painful 
experience worse than anything I've ever felt. Worse than well, wait a minute, Tam era. Mom. Slow down. Slow down. So did okay. they have to okay. go into your vagina to pop it back in? Yeah, they had to. Well, that's oh, cool. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know they I could came do that twice. Yeah. <laughs> Tam Mom, puppet, you had the same oh, thing, my. and then you had a, an orgasm. Two of them. It was <laughs> the most painful and awesome experience ever. Wow. <laughs> By the way, I guess Tan Mom is having another pay-per-view special, like you know, on on, on the what computer. What could they do now? But JD take your money. Me, <laughs> <laughs> no, J, JD told like me. Really JD told me he refuses yeah. to cover it unless he says I force him to watch it. Somebody I might force pay him. <laughs> you really are refusing to watch it. These shows have been such a mess, Howard. I don't there, and there hasn't been anything. Really, they're just not that entertaining. And I'm here on a Friday night, you know, just watching this two. It's just a mess, and I'm tired of it. But JD, now they're going to talk about they're going to talk about tanning. Uh, but JD, oh, it's a special on tanning. Yes. Yeah. You don't think that's going to be fascinating? Watching Tan Mom talk about tanning. It's our most requested topic, JD. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, who the hell are you? Ew. <laughs> so you look like a terrorist. Well, well, let's ask Pan Mom. She must be getting better at this, JD. Hasn't she? Uh, haven't the shows gotten better? Yeah, I, I can understand why. the first special um, wasn't that good, but now she's got a little practice under her belt. She's going to be knocking that out of the park with that tanning discussion. I think. Yeah. Uh, and I, it's really going to be awesome. And um, I really wish, J.D., you would watch it because it's going to be really good this time. Tan Mom, how what long? What are you going to do, Tan Mom? Yeah, yeah well, like I see I... like maybe five minutes of talking of tanning, but you say there's a whole special in it. Like what are some of the we're topics? Doing, we're doing a half hour just on SPF, motherfucker. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do you have an agenda? No, like... That's why I called in with my spirit. Um, no, it's but, just about islands. It's also about, it's not just people go, oh, I'm just going to go tanning and get in a bed or buy a bed. Tanning, actually, there's people that are actually have done a cameos on it that also people don't understand that. If you have pale skin, you have to go into a tanning booth first before you go out in the sun because you will just fry like a lobster. You want a nice, even glow, not that orange shit or, you know, quote, unquote, like, the whole dark-colored look. You know, you have to have an even glow. And I even now take care of my skin in a different fashion. Um, and it, it, there's a lot more to it. That's all. Hey, J.D., so I'm thinking. I'm looking at your whole regimen of how you take care of yourself and tan? Yeah. like J.D., I'm yeah, looking at your you face, and I'm like, I'm making him watch this. He, he's got to. <laughs> you got to. Someone's got to monitor this. I, you I have to. He's our only ticket. viewer. I'm just waiting to see how long it takes for Rory to perform Glossy or that other song that she does again. That last special, J.D. accidentally bought two tickets. Like he, I don't know how. <laughs> oh, it would... oh, then I give him a refund. I'll give him a refund. It's fine. It's like $5. Was... It's all right. I'll give you a choice, J.D. You can watch the Tam Mom special or you can spend the night watching gay porn. Which do you want? <laughs> uh... oh. <laughs> Let me think here. The fact that it's well, a, it, a you know what? It, it depends on the type of gay porn. If it's like male, male, male gay, gay porn. Well, I know um, that. I know that. But like, right. <laughs> come on, oh, so you you wouldn't mind watching that? 
Well, compared Listen, to the uh, Tam I'm special. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I might be able to get something out of the gay porn, like, you know, audio or something. Right. Oh, my Howard, God. Don't, don't, don't let right, him kid you, by the way. He, he, him and Richard used to watch gay porn for fun and just laugh. They would just sit there and laugh. And I go, what's so funny? And JD goes, I don't know. I just think it's funny. I don't know what's funny. What, JD, what's funny about gay porn? It, I don't. It's just, it, I, it, <laughs> it, 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 seeing, listen, guys are, all guys are just weird looking, you know, during sex or whatever, you know, making weird sounds. And, and it's just funny. I don't know. Funny did how? anybody understand what, that idiot? <laughs> what is that, Tamon Puppet? Come on. I said, did anybody understand what that moron just said? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so you're voting that you will not watch the Tamon special. You will in, in, instead monitor gay porn. Uh, whatever is ordered. I don't yeah. know if my internet's working. No, it's so, you know, I feel bad for JD because when Eric, the actor, used to have his American Idol wrap up show, oh, I said, yeah. JD, I, said, oh, I, I, I took him aside. I said, JD, look, your job is to watch these TV shows that I'm too busy to watch, nor do I have the patience. You got to oh, yeah. monitor this stuff for me. We don't call yeah, it watching. Of... We call it monitoring. <laughs> yeah. Which monitor. was worse? All right. Well, monitor it. Which was worse? I, I Tan Mom or Eric the Actor? Uh, see, it's tough because Eric was entertaining just because he was entertaining. But they were also like three, four hours long. Like you had to sit there. Tan Mom and Adam Barta, you know, they stick it up. But it's only like half an hour. So it's right. you can deal with it, I guess. So you're saying, Tan Mom, oh, you're promoting geez, a special dang. where you're going to spend a half hour <laughs> talking about tanning uh, with a concentration well, it's on... it's never really a half hour. Um, but then, you, you know, you do ask questions. That's part of it. It's not all right. just talking. It's also talking about, not that we can actually fly right now, but also about islands and where, you know, you get the best tans. It's about everything and everywhere and how to maintain a good, you know, good color and good skin and good health. You, know, you say it's um, not just talking. What it. part is not just talking? Oh, no, no, no. Forgive me. Um, it is just talking. Um, and then there's questions <laughs> with answers. Sometimes you said it's not talking. So well, sometimes I do an interpretive dance about Tammy. <laughs> <laughs> and by, and by the way, as much as, as, much as <laughs> Tam Mom, you know, she's like the star, Adam Barta is like, he's like, he puts himself out. He tra- he's the one uh, leading oh, the way. Totally, I agree. Well, I agree. we want he more. Of- he hijacks the show. Yes, and we want more of you. So uh, okay. Yeah, that's- right. well, and I, I did see. I- first- Go ahead. I'm sorry. What? No, I said <laughs> when sorry. we first started, it was like trying to do the Zoom with Truly. Um, I'm having problems with the phone, but they're all figured out now. Like yeah, I the last special you could barely hear Tan Mom. All you heard was Adam Barter, her partner. Yeah. But are uh, you Jamie, guys give her some g- tips. Are you guys actually going to be in the same room this time? Yes, in the same room. <laughs> oh boy! All right, hmm. maybe it'll work. Are you going to watch see. it? I mean, I guess yeah. it's only <laughs> a half hour oh, of 